You know, you know things are going well for Jim when he goes, hey, hey, hang on. Hello, and welcome to the Slacktivist Podcast, and may the Force be with you. Today is Star Wars Day. Rogue One comes out. We're all going tonight, some of us together, some of us not together. I'm actually, sorry I have work, Jim. Jim, I hate to fact check you this early in, uh, in the podcast, but it's actually today is not Star Wars Day. That's May the 4th. Today is a special Star Wars day, and you know why, Matthew. Uh, I'm Jim Fagan. I could be considered our Luke Skywalker, but really just because of the whininess. I'm here with Zach Bibolo, who wants to believe he's the Han Solo, but he's probably the Yoda. And Matthew Cullinan, who is some combination of Boba Fett, Vader, and Greedo, I think. Would that be fair, Matt? That is the highest praise I've ever gotten from anyone, so I'll take it. Zach, is that a fair assessment? Or do you want to be the Han, but you're probably the Yoda? I think I'm actually the salacious crumb of the group. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, you keep dreaming. Well, now that we've alienated probably our three audience members, let's jump right in. This is our final podcast, guys, of 2016, which has been Thank garbage. Right. We got to take of the year. 2016 out back and old yeller it. Will there ever be a more joy-filled countdown than the final 10 seconds of 2016? And we lost Alan Thicke yesterday. I'm really, I'm a mess <laughs> yeah. over this. You're really torn up. I don't love that Alan Thicke died, but I do love that he died in the most Canadian way possible. He suffered a heart attack while playing hockey. Matt, would you say that he's now on ice? Oh, no, that is the definition of too soon. I assume whenever somebody who's Canadian and famous dies, John Candy is just waiting at the pearly gates for them. That's probably oh, a great assumption, right? It was just oh. like a Labatt Blue just standing there with that hat <laughs> from Canadian Bacon. Um, okay, so today, appointee watch. We'll chat a little bit about the CIA, the Russians, and Rex Tillerson. And we're going to give you an update on the Women's March and we'll talk about the Hamilton electors. I mean, could, could there be anything more liberal and buzzy than combining the word Hamilton with the word electors right now? Of course, we got your slaction and your IRL action. So let's jump right in. Zach, give us an appointee watch. The big ones for this week, obviously the Secretary of State and the Secretary of Energy, two good old boys from Texas, Rex and Rick. Rex Tillerson was selected by Donald Trump to be Secretary of State. He's been the CEO of Exxon for the past 10 years. And if you didn't already know, Exxon is the world's largest publicly traded company. And he's also been getting a lot of heat for his close ties with Putin since the 90s. And if you believe that this close tie and this friendship are just liberal fake news propaganda, Tillerson was literally handed the order of friendship by Vladimir Putin three years ago. And some of you may be thinking, I'm having trouble seeing this as a bad thing. Didn't Obama want to de-escalate conflict with Russia? Isn't appeasing Putin and avoiding a second Cold War and a potential World War III a good thing? And I guess my response to that is, okay, so we appease Putin with this pick. What happens if Trump doesn't continue to appease him? Also, Exxon is under investigation by the state of New York for misleading investors and the public on climate change because their scientists knew about climate change as early as 1981. Let's start with the order of friendship. Does anybody actually have any idea what, what does this award sort of mean? I, I've been doing some research for work lately, and one of the things I came across was that, like, Hitler gave out similar awards. I mean, every country does. I'm not trying to be like, if you give out a friendship award, you're Hitler, although that's a pretty obvious jump if you have to give people awards to be your friends. But I gave you a friendship bracelet. 
you did give me a friendship bracelet, and, and I didn't lose it, I swear. What's your obligation when the leader of a world power that's sort of adversarial towards yours offers you, like, the country's highest award for foreigners? If Vladimir Putin called me out of left field and was like, Jim, I want to give you friendship award, I think I would just I'd sort of be floored. You are a sucker for easy praise. I, I, should we really be jumping on Rex Tillerson for the friendship award, or is he... Uh, just a businessman who happened to do a lot of deals in Russia because Russia has the oil, and it, it doesn't necessarily correlate to how he's going to behave as Secretary of State. Yeah, I, I don't think that now it's like a magical feature that we're now bound to Russia to only do Vladimir Putin's bidding. I mean, I think one of the last Americans to get this award was Steven Seagal. Um, so I'm not sure if it actually <laughs> does mean that. He much, actually right? he got a Russian passport. He got a Russian passport out of the deal. Steven Seagal is like friend of North Korea, friend of like isn't Steven Seagal kind of like racking up the friendships in a place? Steven Seagal is friend of anyone who still watches his movies, which I'm pretty sure is Russia and North Korea. I've been reading that the Russians are trying to keep their excitement on hold, but it's pretty palpable. It's coming out that they are excited that this pick shows how interested the Trump administration is in working potentially with Russia. So Zach raises the point, what happens if Trump decides to stop appeasing Putin? Uh, and there was a really interesting article I read yesterday in the Washington Post called Putin is Winning for Now. And it basically said, Putin has played a really smart game over the past year. I mean, a year ago, he was facing a Hillary Clinton presidency, which was a very strong possibility one year ago. He was facing serious economic sanctions across a pretty united Europe and, and America. Russia was not in that great shape one year ago. Since then, Brexit, Trump's presidency, all of this stuff, and a lot of that has come out of Putin's ability to be the least predictable man in the room. And he has basically promoted into power like Putin squared. Trump is so unpredictable that it could completely backfire on them. It's great to cause mischief by plugging a, you know, car's tailpipe until the car explodes on you. Well, so, I'm curious, too, if we're going to see, like, you know, Trump has already said he's only going to, you know, he's had received three intelligence briefings in about 36 days since he was, became president-elect. So, you know, he doesn't know if Russia is moving weapons and artillery to, you know, to closer to European borders, which they are. He doesn't necessarily know that. So will someone who does have an order of friendship with Putin be the one to tell him? Uh, John McCain, who famously said, I look into Putin's eyes and I see the KGB, uh, although he said it in a much more McCain kind of way where he paused seven times and had spittle forming. Uh, but he has said it is of great concern to him. Marco Rubio has tweeted being a friend of Putin is not a quality I look for in Secretary of State. So my question is, why should we trust this at all when these are the same people who several times disavowed Trump and said they were they could never return to him, and then they always come running back to him immediately? Well, I think one more important thing to note about Tillerson before we move on to the Rick part of the uh, the Dukes of Hazard revival. As Secretary of State, he's someone who has supported free trade, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and so that kind of doesn't jive with what Trump has been saying, is that all a big lie, or what are we supposed to make of that? I really believe this Tillerson pick comes from Trump kind of hemming and hawing over four different people for a long time, and then someone brings him this, like, outside-the-box 
pick that feels very Trumpy. Oh, he, he's a friend of Putin's. Oh, he runs ExxonMobil. He's a big businessman. And they meet together, and then Tillerson has the wherewithal to just compliment the man, which is all you have to do. And boom, that's it. Your Secretary of State. Romney didn't get it because the Trump team didn't think he came out with a strong enough apology for his previous comments. And then Giuliani didn't get it because they said he had no stamina. That's amazing. It's amazing. I just like how that's like his catch-all for, for not liking something. Read between the lines, right? Giuliani probably thought it was his to lose, and then he's like, wait, I have to go through this whole reality TV audition process. I have to go out to yeah. dinner with you in public, all this stuff. I'm not doing that. And, oh, you don't have enough stamina for that. Yesterday, I saw on The Daily Show the, the perfect quote of Trump complimenting Paul Ryan and saying, I appreciate his genius more and more. He's like a fine wine which doesn't make any sense. To, like, a fine wine gets better with age. It's not like as you sip it, you appreciate it more and more. As you sip it, you get drunker and drunker. But, uh, you know, I kind of get where Trump is grasping at there. And then at the end of that quote, he says, but if you go against me, I won't like you anymore. That is Trump's foreign policy. And I, I think Putin is savvy enough to know he can do whatever he wants as long as he's willing in the face-to-face -to, -face to be like, oh, Donald, you are so smart and your hands are so big. Where you get soup? I need soup like this for my, my, my bride. Yes. Oh, explain to me how to decorate that. Oh, gold, gold, yes. Why did Vladimir not think? Who I, I, is I really your gold think... dealer? <laughs> yes, who is your gold dealer? Because mine is dead. I killed him. I mean, this is... Still off cliff. So let's, let's move on. On to Rick. Yeah. On to Rick. Yeah, I really want to talk about Rick Perry. He's actually... I was looking at pictures of him the other day. He's actually a, quite a handsome guy. It's weird. Yeah, he's like uh, the Clark Kent of this cabinet, I think. Like his disguisey glasses. If the um, Republicans uh, put together like a little sexy calendar, you, you know, you got Paul Ryan. Okay, now mm -hmm. you got Rick. I mean, you're starting to build something here. You're starting to build up something. You're not. A you're leaving out Mitch McConnell and a turtleneck, man. You're, <laughs> you're leaving out December. Yeah, I like that you picked turtleneck because Mitch McConnell's page needs as much fabric involved as possible. Like, <laughs> if possible, and they can have just a curtain. I, I feel like if you were to take his clothes off, it's like we'd realize he's the creature from Pan's Labyrinth. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. So Rick Perry was recently tapped to be the Secretary of Energy. And he's the head of the department that creates efficiency standards, I don't know if you knew this, guys, for electronics, such as televisions. It also manages nuclear waste and conducts scientific energy research. And you know it's the one that Rick Perry at one point vowed to shut down, I guess because nuclear waste can be such a hassle. And this role isn't typically headline-making. The Secretary of Energy is 14th in line for presidential succession. So he's 14 heartbeats away from the president, which is not a phrase I, I hear a whole lot. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Obama's pick back, all the way back in 2009, was Stephen Chu, who was an actual physicist. Bush-era secretaries, Abraham and Bodman, the Obama secretaries, they all have PhDs. They're all nuclear physicists from MIT. And I'm not convinced that Rick Perry could spell MIT. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, going I heavy. Back, it's E-M-I-Y... <laughs> And I forgot the last letter. I know, I, dang it, I know there's another one in there, I swear. I don't know if it's T-E-E or T-E-A. That's always confusing to me. Is it the T you dump in the water, or is it T-E-E? <laughs> Give him this. He's putting together a great cabinet for uh, impersonations. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
The only thing you need to be an appointee of Trump's cabinet is to have publicly denounced that institution at some point in time. But it feels like every single person, the like common thread is they were like, I really don't think that needs to be an institution anymore. So for an example of the non-headline making work that he's going to have to deal with, Obama's current energy secretary, Moniz, he played a crucial role in the Iran nuclear negotiations. And he directly negotiated technical details with the Iranian atomic energy minister, Ali Akbar Salihi, who is also coincidentally an MIT graduate. And Moniz personally reassured Obama that the deal wouldn't threaten the U.S. at all. And, and I just want you guys for a second to imagine Rick Perry in that exact same meeting. Kind of starting to imagine all of these appointees, they're incompetent enough being a good scenario in which the people who like actually do the day-to-day, they just have like a new boss who's an idiot. From what I hear, they're, they're clearing out all the departments and they're replacing them with fossil fuel people. So like they're replacing all these scientists with like lumberjacks, I think. I, I, don't, oh, good. I don't know what's happening. You know, Reagan did something similar. Reagan put a lot of people in who just kind of hated the institutions that they, you know, claimed to be heading. Uh, and I'm sort of wondering, in a best-case scenario, and in 2020, populist movement from the left sweeps into power, the Democrats take back the Senate, they put up a good fight in the House, that kind of a thing. That's the best-case scenario, kind of, right? Are these people in a position to cause that severe amount of damage in sort of the four years that can't just be quickly reversed? It, how damaging is a cabinet position? It's mixed, right? Because you pass a bill or you institute a new regulation, those things take time. They take a year, several years sometimes just to be implemented. You know, when Obamacare was initially passed, I think it took like four full years before it was fully integrated into law. So it really took a while. But then you have other things that can be pretty damning overnight, right? You have an intelligence report that goes awry and all of a sudden it leads to something happening that shouldn't have happened. All of a sudden it does have a huge impact. So I think it's a really a mixed bag. Well, I don't think Rick Perry can hold a candle to his predecessors. And that after he's done destroying the Department of Energy, that's what we're going to be using to light our homes. Nice. All right, um, just really quick, I want to give everybody an update on the relocation of the Women's March on Washington on January 21st. You may have heard that the Trump administration, because they can't help themselves with looking like a dictatorship before he's even in power, shut down the request for a permit to march on the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Mall, where all of these marches always take place. Uh, It is just kind of this petty... Uh, small-handed move by the Trump transition team. So, Ah, small-handed, small-handed. Everybody remembers that he has tiny hands. The good (laughs) news is that the Women's March will go on. They can't shut down the entire city of Washington, D.C. to protesters, so they have another location. So it will begin at 10 a.m. It will be on Saturday, January 21st, the day after Trump's inauguration. There are now permits secured near the U.S. Capitol building at Independence Avenue and 3rd Street, Southwest. And so the march route won't be released until a later date, and the organizers note uh, it's going to feature nationally recognized advocates, artists, entertainers, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, all the people who won't play Trump's inauguration will come in on the 21st. Side note, Trump can't get a single D.C. high school band to play at his inauguration. If that doesn't just delight you and give you hope, 
then nothing will. See the report uh, that they've started suggesting that they would give out ambassadorships if someone would just play a damn song? It's going to be like uh, Tommy, a 17-year-old drum major from D.C. High, and he's going to be like ambassador to France. The organizers say, a quick reminder, any person, regardless of gender or gender identity, who believes women's rights are human rights, aren't invited. Uh, however, they note that parents should use their own judgment, not even because safety protocol is a concern, but just because it's January. So if your kid is under the age of 15, caution. We've already said layer up. There are ways to support by having local marches. Go online, Google this stuff. It all will show up. So are you guys still planning on attending the Women's March? Yes. Okay, oh, yeah. Cool. How, how, Plans are in the works. You going down the night before? You, you convoying? You, you bringing your old friend Jimmy? Because I have like several plans in the work works and and I haven't pulled the trigger on any of them yet. Because I'm I have a car full of people. Zach, do you have room for me in your car? I have room for you, not you and your wife. Well, my wife's not. Unless she's she's going to hold down the the fort with the baby. I offered to stay home with the baby too. For the record, I didn't like mansplain her into the corner and be like, I have to go to the women's march. As a man, it's important (laughs) for me to be there. You sit here. This is man's work. <laughs> yeah, Jim, you can be in my car then. That'll be fine. Beautiful. Thank you. I will bring snacks. Matt, can you catch us up on the Hamilton electors? Yeah, so the Hamilton electors did something really cool recently, which is they signed a letter saying they wanted Lin-Manuel Miranda elected president. It has no <laughs> legal bearing whatsoever. That's amazing. Are they not throwing away their shot? We touched on it a few weeks ago. The Hamilton electors, basically, their goal is to stop Trump uh, and not necessarily instill Hillary Clinton as the president, but a a Republican compromise candidate. I think in the past we mentioned John Kasich, who's one of the the lead contenders. But now they're doing something different. A group of ten electors, nine Democrats, one Republican, have petitioned James Clapper, who is the director of national intelligence, to request a brief on anything that could pertain to Russian interference in the campaign. And the, the reason for this is they're citing something that Hamilton actually wrote. It has nothing to do with the musical, but they, they cite specifically Federalist 68, which is that the office of the elector is supposed to prevent uh, a desire in foreign powers to gain an improper ascendant in our councils, which is basically like, yo, Russia, stay out of our shit. So I think there are up to around 50 people who have signed on to this, still almost entirely Democrat, a few Republicans have actually been have resigned or been forced to resign because they publicly stated they wouldn't vote for Trump. There are a lot of petitions out there for people like you or me, but definitely not people like Zach, to sign up and say, hey, I want this report to happen because I am a person, and I think it should. There's something that's pretty awesome about the Hamilton electors, which is that their leader has publicly come out and said, like, hey, everybody, stop emailing and harassing the electors. I'm on it. And, and there is something about that that is like oddly kind of satisfying to me because the, the core of the electors, right, if you put away the idea that it's really just an institution meant to keep slavery strong and healthy, which I, I most certainly think is a factor, but the idealistic core is, you know, Hamilton putting it into place saying this is so that we don't elect a populist demagogue. Um, and the idea is that these people will be experts they will be able to weigh this on their own. They'll be able to make their own decision. And it's got this, this comforting, like, it's out of my hands vibe. If this is going to happen and it's a huge long shot, 
this seems far more likely to me than all of us emailing people who can just put on an autoresponder or delete their account. The core belief behind it or the core idea is right. We're not going to get Hillary Clinton, and we're not going to get enough Republicans to abandon Trump for a Democratic president. The idea is, can we get 30 or however many uh, the Democrats are shy to vote for John Kasich, and then can we make up the rest of that with Hillary Clinton electors? And as a reminder, all they need to do is get Trump's number under 270. Because if, if, if they have 269, and even if Kasich has, Hillary gets all hers and Kasich gets the difference of 40 or whatever it is, then it goes to the House of Representatives who get to, state by state, they cast a single ballot. And to become president, you really only need a, a simple majority, right? So there's already 30 Republican states. You'd have to get 26 of them to vote for Kasich, done deal, right? That's the idea. But the second part is that it goes to Paul Ryan, it goes to the House, and he is an obvious Trump hater, just kind of like barely hiding his disdain. Uh, and like a fine wine, he will sour on Trump and they will vote uh, somebody more palatable into office. I can't imagine anything that would be more unifying for a country that is so damagingly separated. I imagine this as being this insanely wonderful revolution in this weird way. I think what's really important to, to think about, though, is that we're seeing something that's, that's pretty unprecedented in American politics, and whether or not it works, the fact that people are trying, right, is, is pretty cool, and it's something that's going to be written about in history books. Before we do selection, and before we do our IRL, in, in lieu of a sponsor this week, we have a very special message from our cousin from down under. Oh, g'day, boys. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, and congratulations on gaining your second SoundCloud follower after only five episodes. You boys must feel so proud of yourself. In all seriousness, it feels really good to be calling in from the last bastion of social democracy and progressiveness on the planet, good old Australia. I don't know if you know, but over here we enjoy free, top-notch education, healthcare, functional bridges... And we've also elected previously, and we've had a lady Prime Minister, and it went pretty okay, aside from some nuts throwing sandwiches at us. So you can just go and shove that up your nostril, your bald eagle worshipping gun nuts. You know what's scarier and more intimidating than a bald eagle? Literally anything in Australia. My man is scarier than that feathered idiot. Our spiders eat your spiders for breakfast. And to all you morons, after every election, who say, oh, I'm going to move to Australia. No, you're not, because you have to immigrate here. And we don't just let any idiot in, especially not you. And it's not because you three idiots are stupid or diseased. They both are very true. But because we have to quarantine infected specimens. And after all the contact you've had with racists and Nazis, you're going to be in quarantine for a very long time. So shove off, try again when you have compulsory voting, and maybe we'll consider letting you come over for a visit to our beautiful land down under. Wow, happy holidays from Australia. Yeah. One follow-up question to that, uh, dear sweet cousin Gaz. Um, yes? It, I, I feel like you, you mentioned racism and xenophobia. Didn't you guys have a problem with your indigenous population at some point, some kind of racism there? Or am I just imagining that? Well, mate, nobody's perfect. You're just going to take that and, 
and say nobody's perfect? Well, I mean, do we really want to go into the whole history of how we considered our Aboriginals indigenous flora and fauna until 1960? I mean, that's not a great look for a country. Yeah, that does seem murky. All right, let's get our flagship for the week. Hey, Zach, um, you just missed it. Uh, this Australian guy was on. It was crazy. Um, I hear you have a selection for the week. Sure. So this sort of follows up with what Cully was talking about with the faithless Hamilton electors. So they told us, you know, stop emailing and phone calling the electors. They got it. They gave us uh, two selections from their Facebook live stream. The first one was to contact your representatives, your governors, and ask that they demand the electors be debriefed on the CIA information on Russian interference, delay the electoral college vote if that's not possible. So contact your representatives, your state senators, your senators, your congressmen, governors, ask that they demand the electors be debriefed. Brilliant. And the second part of this is to contact the U.S. Attorney General. This is what the Hamilton electors told us to do. Contact the U.S. Attorney General and ask that the electoral college vote be postponed until a full investigation of Russian interference and the Trump campaign's potential coordination with Russia is complete. Is that a moonshot? Yeah. I think these are all moonshots, but hey, you know, you know, we got that, we got the stars and stripes up on the moon. So you can contact the Attorney General's office at 202-514-2000. So give them a call and just be like, hey, why don't you uh, postpone uh, the Electoral College vote until everyone knows what's going on with Russia trying to give us the Siberian candidate. Zach, one more time with that number. That number is 202-514-2000. And there are 20, and maybe it's not that much of a moonshot, because there are 20 faithless Hamilton electors right now, and they just need 20 more to turn to stop a Trump presidency. That's 20 people away. That's good shit, Zach. Can you really quick just give us, like, a tiny, tiny blurb? You gave the number. Just tell people exactly what to say. Hi, I'm Zach, and this is what I want to do, because people get really scared calling people on the phone. Sure. So call up. It's probably going to take you to a phone tree, because I have yet to do it myself. Contact U.S. Attorney General. 202-514-2000, and just say, hey, I am a concerned voter. I'm concerned that Russia is interfering in our election. Is it possible to hold off the Electoral College vote until a full investigation of Russia has been completed? Thanks so much. Have a great day. Happy holidays. Great. I love it. Uh, Cully, you have a Slaction app, which makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. It's so Slacky to to use an app. Yeah, well, it's not really even an app. It's, it's, it's really crazy. So what it is is something called Daily Action Alert, right, where I think it's from a digital media agency. The guy founded it, worked for Obama at some point, like all good people in the world. And this is what you do. You text the word daily, D-A-I-L-Y, to the number 228466 or action. You'll be asked to enter your zip code, and you'll receive a text message every workday about an issue that's urgent based on where you live. So you don't even have to think anymore. You just like, you, you send this text, you send daily to this number, 228466, enter your zip code, and then they'll send you stuff. And so they might be like, yo dude, um, it's really important today that you call your senator to talk about this issue. Or it's really important today for you, where you're based, where you're living, to call Paul Ryan about healthcare law, right? Uh- And so they're hoping that, you know, as they go on, they'll be able to expand. And it won't just be about these big national issues. They'll be able to say, you know, like when HB2 passed in North Carolina, they'll be able to target people in that specific area to be like, do you guys realize this is happening and how bad this is? 
call people about this. I, I haven't I haven't actually sent it yet, but I think all you do is it'll give you the option to take action, and if you do, it it passes you through to your senator or whoever they're asking you to call, and then you weigh in on the issue. Whole thing takes about you know two minutes, and you're on your way. I just want to say one thing. Come at me. Come at if me. If you don't, if you think you don't have two minutes, well, let me tell you something. If you're sitting on the if you're sitting on the Johnny Rocker for two minutes, you know, dropping yesterday's pad thai, and you don't think it's a great idea to call Paul Ryan, you're crazy. I'm gonna leave so many messages for Paul Ryan while I'm going number two. All right? I love you can that. Take it or leave it. You've now taken, instead of being like, I'm dropping the kids off at the pool, you can now say, like, I'm, I'm dropping a note to Paul Ryan. Um, all right, well, on that gross note, a little bit of IRL action. It is the holiday season. Uh, this is as simple as it comes. Everywhere you look, there's going to be a toy drive, a coat drive, a food drive. Take the five seconds, and it, it can sometimes be as simple as walk next door and actually, like, purchase, you know, the cheap coat from the local drugstore that's there for emergencies or a handful, $10 worth of canned foods, instead of saying, oh, I have to remember to do that and dropping the ball on it. Although if you can remember and you can bring stuff in, good on you. And this is like, if you want to get rid of things in, in spring cleaning time, it can often be impossible to find where to put it. This time of year, every, everywhere you look, there's something in place to get rid of some clothing, uh, to people who are in need, to donate canned food, to donate some unwrapped toys to, to people in need. Just take a second, swivel your head, look around, and find a little way to spread some of your good fortune this holiday season. Great. I'm going to do that. You're going to do that right after you drop some messages off for Paul Ryan? Yeah. After, after I go call my congressman, there's, some, there's a box downstairs that I have to put a toy in. And I've, I've got tons of toys sitting on my desk, so I'll just drop one of those in there. Zach. Anything we didn't cover this week that you are aching to get out? No, there's nothing that I, want, that I need to talk about. I think you handled it with civility and aplomb. So good on you. What's good on you, mate. Aplomb? Yeah. Like, ap- like napalm. Oh, okay, yeah. great. Great. Blow it all up. Drain the swamp, everybody. Um, so from our uh, homes to yours, a, a very happy holiday, a warm season's greetings. A Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Happy Kwanzaa, uh, and to anybody who's just wants to bask in the glow of wintertime, a happy solstice to you. Uh, and hopefully everybody uh, has a, a safe, safe travels. Maybe you've listened to us while you're on your way someplace. Um, be civil to one another and enjoy yourself. And uh, one last little piece of slaction for you. Wouldn't you mind if you were one of our four listeners? liking, commenting, or subscribing on iTunes. I know some of you listen and say very nice things to us, but it would help us a little bit if you said those very nice things uh, digitally to the rest of the world, and then we might get this thing out there a little bit more. Like, guys, give us a little happy, happy, slacky sign-off for the holidays. Hope the ghost of slacky past comes to visit you. Zach, what, what do they say in Australia at the holiday time? God, you don't know this? It could just be Merry Christmas. Like, what do they say? God, you're really something this week, man. You're really I'm throwing them the hardball question. <laughs> they say, I don't care what you're up to. No, they say Merry Christmas. Well, it's a good question, because I once asked my friend from, from South Korea this, and she said that they say they're going to be... Bored! No, listen, this is good. She says... 
She says have, they say have fun with Kevin because they all stay home and watch Home Alone. I'm not kidding. Your friend Someone was lied. fucking with you, man. Sorry. No, she, she probably was just messing with me. Uh, Cully, give us a, a season sli- a slacky sign-off. New York is living in a polar vortex. Global warming is fake. On that note, happy holidays, everybody.